one of the things that you are going to notice especially when you are going to be looking at these legacy platforms the way they design the apis is going to be very different so when you are going to be comparing this with platforms such as your hubspot or salesforce they are going to have very restified apis meaning you are going to look at any of the business objects and you are going to have very simple crud operation growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing this approach needs alignment among people processes and technologies so if you're a business owner operations or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors you're tuned into the right podcast welcome to the wbs podcast where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority now here is your host sam gupta hey everyone welcome back to another episode of the wbs podcast i'm sam gupta your host and principal consultant at independent erp and digital transformation consulting firm elevate iq consulting companies have never been good at selling products ibm is a classic example they have always struggled with their true identity while they were one of the strongest engineering organizations just like blackberry product marketing is a different skill and that's probably the reason why they ended up selling all of their software assets to other organizations websphere commerce is one example at one point in time websphere commerce used to be gold standard for the enterprise commerce platforms but they ended up selling to hcl wait but what is scl doing with a software product you would think that this is probably a mainframe strategy with a deliberate intention to buy legacy assets so they can charge a premium on their billing rates but if you review the rearchitected version of hcl commerce you will be pleasantly surprised how fine of a job they have done with the product in today's episode we invited a panel of cross functional experts for a live interview on linkedin who brings significant expertise to discuss hcl commerce capabilities we discuss their strengths and weaknesses and how hcl acquisition has done wonders to the legacy product that was once the leading product for enterprise commerce for large brands finally we discussed unique capabilities such as mark search ability to pin the products on a web page retrieving the dam assets using apis and the version control of dam assets with that let's get to the conversation hello everyone welcome to today's show and if you are joining for the first time this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every wednesday at 5:30 pm eastern and we review one vendor or the solution from the e-commerce industry and uh, for today we are going to be reviewing the solution called hcl commerce it used to be called websphere commerce when the ibm used to own it now it uh, it's called hcl commerce so we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that before we do that i am going to provide a quick intro about myself if you don't know me i am sam gupta principal at elevate iq elevate iq is the independent erp e-commerce and digital transformation consulting firm we help companies with their erp e-commerce needs in defining the architecture 
any sort of you know e-commerce platform selection, ERP selection, etc. On that note, I am going to start with the quick briefing of the solution where they fit in the value chain. We are going to be comparing this with some of the other offerings that we have reviewed in the past. So HCL Commerce, when you think about it, it used to be called Websphere Commerce, as I mentioned before. And Websphere Commerce used to be the gold standard for the enterprise e-commerce platform back in the days when we didn't have platforms such as Shopify, BigCommerce. This was positioned really for that enterprise space. A lot of different enterprises, if they didn't have their custom platform, then they used to use the Websphere Commerce platform. Now, overall, from the architecture perspective, it's uh, it was very legacy. The way some of the other platforms are going to be, the competitor for this one is uh, going to be Oracle ATG. And we have reviewed Oracle ATG as well. They have come a long way overall in their journey in terms of headless. HCL, uh, since the acquisition, they have done a wonderful job in architecting the solution. So now they have significant headless feel to the to the product and you are going to get all of those enterprise capabilities. So the competitors for ACL Commerce at this point of time are going to be SAP Hybrid, Salesforce, Magento Commerce, and uh, the newer breed of headless platforms that we have in the market. So here they are saying ACL Commerce, formerly known as Websphere Commerce or WCS, was the name that they used to use, which is the Websphere Commerce Suite, is a software platform framework for e-commerce, uh, including marketing, sales, customer, and order processing functionality. In a, again, they are trying to define it as more of the customized platform, uh, and it does have very significant customization uh, capabilities that you are not going to find in the mid-market systems. If you are going to compare this with the mid-market systems, then some of the things that are going to be really customizable in the enterprise platform is going to be defining the each of the block for your customer personas. That is very hard in a lot of different smaller to medium-sized systems in that you are probably going to require the add-ons uh, to be able to have that functionality. And then you are not going to have that IT workflow to be able to promote, to migrate, to version control for your dam, etc. That is something very hard to find in the small to medium-sized space. And that's where ACL Commerce is has a real differentiator. In the enterprise space, uh, if you compare this with SAP Hybris, they are going to have slightly richer capabilities overall when you look at the B2B workflows. For example, we saw uh, in the case of SAP Hybris, they had this uh, multiple code functionality replenishment functionality, multiple card functionality, that is hard to notice in the SEL Commerce. So overall, from the positioning perspective, SEL Commerce, website Commerce was always positioned for B2C marketplace. They didn't have as strong B2B capabilities. So that's what you are going to notice when we are going to be reviewing the slides uh, of their current slides that they have published on YouTube. So uh, they are saying here it's a single unified platform which offers the ability to do business directly with uh, consumers. B2C, they have identified uh, B2B as well, but I think the B2B capabilities are going to be weaker uh, overall. From the technology footprint perspective, this is built on Java, similar to your SAP Hybris. SAP Hybris also utilizes the, the Java architecture. So in the case of WebSphere, you are going to have 
your application server, then you are going to have your web server, and then you are also going to have your uh, headless, uh, you know, front end uh, that is going to be included at least in the new architecture that didn't exist in the uh, legacy architecture. Um, so there are not very many Java-based platform. Uh, SAP Hybris is one, as I already pointed out. Salesforce Commerce is going to be another one that Salesforce is built on Java, so they are going to be Java-based as well. So you have three different layers. The majority of the platforms that you are going to find in the market are going to be PHP-based because that's the, the common language of the uh, web platforms. But then enterprise platforms, they are going to be either on Java or they are going to be on .NET. Some of the newer ones are uh, on the React or the JavaScript as well. Uh, but that's very rare to find unless you are a new breed of the uh, the platform. So these guys are going to be uh, based on the Java, even though the front end is completely React-based, the experience that you are going to get on the newer uh, platforms. So they sold this to HCL in 2019. And since 2019, it's only, it's only been like three years but they have done marvelous job in re-architecting this platform and now making it completely headless. And if you look at the demo and the the way the product demos are structured, it looks really slack. Uh, and you would not think that a consulting company such as ACL can do this great job uh, from the product perspective. Typically, most consulting companies struggle uh, with their products, but ACL has done wonderful job uh, with their product. So here, what else do we have? When it started, it has uh, it had a different name, I guess. It used to be called net.commerce. And again, that could be slightly confusing. A lot of people might think that, you know what, this is .NET, but that's not the case. So net.commerce, they renamed it to Westfare Commerce Suite. So now, you know, for since 2006, I guess, it has been called WCS or Websphere Commerce. Now, some more commentary overall in terms of their evolution. So they are saying IBM provides an integrated development environment that is used to build uh, and test customizations, uh, including changing the design of storefronts, uh, extending business logic, creating new business logic to meet business requirements, the developer platform. So for people who are going to have a little bit of IBM background, they are going to be familiar with the rational product suite. And the rational product suite was uh, designed for any sort of IBM-specific development. They had an architecture product. You can design a lot of things there. Then that's going to spit the code. And then you have the editor in which you can do development. But that's very Java-centric development. If you look at the newer React-based uh, storefront that SEL has built, it is not going to have all of those frills that you used to have in the legacy days. So here, uh, you know, Webflare Commerce Developer, for which there are three editions, so they used to have three different editions. So obviously, you need to choose when you are going to, uh, which one you are going to go with. So they had the Webflare Commerce Developer Express, uh, Webflare Commerce uh, Developer Professional, and the Enterprise as well. I think those uh, editions are still going to be the same just because the underlying product is going to be very different for those three. And then the licensing model is going to be very different as well. Now, uh, they are saying, as with other customizable IBM products, the WebSphere uh, Commerce Developer Toolkit 
runs within IBM rational uh, application developer that is used to be called Red for WebSphere software. Uh, again, Red is the foundation as Java IDE, and Red extends the Eclipse uh, environment with visual and other development features. So again, that's very Java-centric. But in the new environment, you are not going to have the Java-based development environment. Um, you can do React-based development, but you know when you are going to be setting up the uh, environment for your practitioners so they can create these customizable pages and the React-based components, that still has to go through the same process. And that's what we saw even in the case of Hybris, that you still have to go through the same development process. Uh, in Java, at that time, when you are trying to build these components for the first time, that time it is going to have that long development cycle. But once you are set up, then your practitioners can uh, configure a lot of things directly in their uh, area. It is going to be exposed to them, and they don't have to worry about the code. That's where that whole React uh, experience is going to be handy. A lot of headless vendors are going to call this as more of the CMS versus the commerce. So commerce is going to be very API driven, uh, even in the in the case of SEL commerce. But then CMS is what you are building that is going to be customizable. The, you can build all of these reusable components and then you can expose this to your practitioners and they can customize based on whatever options you are providing to them, but there is going to be a massive capability uh, in terms of what they can do in creating that composable commerce. Experience. So here, if you look at the overall architecture, it's very Java-centric architecture. So it's going to have a database, it's going to have application server, and then we used to have the web server as well. So that is going to be handy, especially for the enterprise scenarios. You require all three layers because they are going to help you in terms of scalability. So I personally like this architecture. Uh, the newer platforms may not tell you what they are doing underneath. And sometimes you might lose the flexibility overall in terms of uh, the control that you are going to have on your architecture as well as on your IT infrastructure. So I like the kind of flexibility that you are going to get as part of your ACL commerce. You are going to get the same flexibility with SAP Hybris, Oracle ATG, uh, your mid-market products are probably not going to have that. Uh, now, with the e-commerce platforms, if you con contrast this with other ERP products, one of the things that you are going to notice is that you are going to have many different flavors available of uh, databases or the web servers. If you need to swap out and you are going to use something else, uh, you can do that. So that flexibility uh, is going to be tricky as well when you are dealing with these enterprise scale workloads and you want to go for a specific database or a specific web server, that flexibility is going to be critical as well when you are going to be deciding for these platforms. And that is available uh, with ACL Commerce. Now, you can use this on many different uh, operating systems. That flexibility may not be there with every single platform. Uh, if you contrast this with a lot of different ERP systems, they are all Windows-based. The e-commerce platforms, they tend to be slightly more the, the code-based, and, and, and you are going to be able to, if you want to deploy this on Unix-based platform or the Linux, you can do that. Now, some more details here. So they are saying additional features are continuously provided through enhancements using Agile methods on a quarterly basis. So that's their development model. I think they might be continuing that right now as well. Uh, that's going to be fairly similar with most 
platforms. Uh, now, this is the announcement uh, of the ACL. So there are some details there that are going to be critical um, to determine how the product roadmap is going to be and what advancements that you can expect with the product. So here they are saying India-based global solution provider ACL Technologies this week said it has closed its uh, acquisition multiple uh, you know, IBM software technologies and introduced a new division, ACL software to operate its enterprise software business. Now, when you think about a business model of ACL, it has very similar model to your IBM. They used to be in hardware play, especially in the consumerized business, but then that business model did not really work for them. So that's why they are moving into this whole product play. It is still a very consulting shop. IBM uh, did similar things. They used to sell hardware. So now they are not focusing as much on hardware. They are focusing more on the consulting business, uh, but they are spinning off all of their uh, software assets for some reason, just because it did not work for them. But the same thing, I mean, SEL has similar business model, but they somehow are sort of uh, you know acquiring these assets. One of the drivers why SEL might be doing that is because you are probably going to think that, you know what, this is more of the legacy software or the mainframe uh, strategy where the consulting companies are going to acquire these legacy software systems. Uh, the reason for that is because they are going to command very high billing rate, and that's the reason why they will be acquiring that. But ACL overall, from the business perspective, they have created a new business unit that focuses on product, and they are doing really really good overall. I'm personally impressed the way uh, ACL has changed this product in last two to three years. So that's very exciting news that ACL is able to do that. And that speaks for the volume. If you think of the, the future of the product, uh, it does seem that it is probably going to do really well uh, overall based on the way ACL uh, has done the development on this product. So here the announcement includes with the close uh, of the deal valued at $1.8 billion. It remains to be seen whether ACL uh, revived sales of a software business that once helped uh, build the business in the industry. So that is all detail about the ACL business, that they were more into the PC industry in the consumerized business. But since then, they have evolved overall as a business. Then ACL now owns R&D, sales, marketing, delivery, and support. So basically what that means is they have the complete control of the product. It's not that they are simply sort of doing this OEM arrangement. You are going to see that a lot, in which case it's going to be just the white label arrangement where IBM is going to be controlling the development process and ACL is simply going to be selling. In their case, they have the complete control of the product. And that is going to be a key detail that you need to be looking at when you are evaluating these products. Then they are saying companies push into software started with uh, its 1995 acquisition. I think that is the detail for uh, IBM. So since 1995, uh, they have acquired a lot of different enterprise software, uh, but then they ended up uh, uh, losing market share in that. And then they simply got rid of all of these uh, software systems just because they are primarily a consulting company and they don't want to focus on the enterprise software space, I believe. And that's probably the driver why they ended up selling uh, the web store commerce product, which was one of their, at one time, it was supposed to be one of their flagship product, but then somehow it did not do well. Most likely it is because of these newer breed of products, especially if you talk about 
uh, Shopify, a big commerce, they captured the whole mid market and then in the enterprise space as well, you have the headless vendors uh, as well as SAP Hybris and Oracle Commerce. Uh, they have decent market share as well. So that could be the driver why uh, IBM ended up selling and they were not able to do as uh, expedited development as ACL has done. So obviously this is a good thing for the product as well as for the customers uh, of the product. Now, some more details overall uh, with their evolution. So here they are saying the acquisition helped spur the building of a software empire that included DB2 database software, uh, WebSphere middleware suite, uh, the Tivoli uh, systems management software IBM acquired in 1996, uh, Lotus and its breaking Lotus 123 spreadsheet application. So obviously they had a lot of different software and several enterprises uh, used to use their software, but not anymore. They have all moved on um, to other companies. So that's why IBM is sort of not interested in that unit anymore. Uh, there are some more details overall, and this is where your uh, the IBM WebSphere Commerce is sort of bundled. Uh, so they have sold these software systems to many different companies. ACL acquired some assets, uh, but not everything that they had. So here they are saying ACL has also taken over what it calls digital experience, which includes the former WebSphere portal. They used to have a, uh, IBM used to have a product called uh, IBM WebSphere portal. That was the portal technology. If you want to use customer or vendor portal uh, or any sort of internal portals, uh, a lot of enterprises used to use, but now uh, several companies are there in the market. Uh, they are not going to charge the same price tag that you used to get with your website portal, and they are going to be far easier to build overall. Uh, so that's probably the reason why uh, IBM ended up selling that as well. Then it's saying ACL said it uh, has already delivered over 340 partner releases and over 90 ACL releases of the software, including Informex 14.10.10, uh, then Domino 10, and then workload automation 9.5. So obviously ACL is doing a lot of work. They are not simply acquiring uh, with the mindset that they are simply going to be maintaining the software for the existing customer. They are doing extremely heavy development on these products, which is a good sign uh, for the product. Now, uh, they are saying IBM agreed in April to sell the rest of its software portfolio that was not picked by ACL to a New York so there is another private equity firm in the mix. They acquired the other uh, set of software that ACL did not acquire. Uh, that's the IBM marketing platform and the other IBM commerce products. So some of them went to that private equity and the other went to ACL. Uh, for ACL, the ex-IBM software represent an opportunity, particularly when it comes to modernizing the applications. So that's the ACL's play. They are trying to buy these assets because you know they have always been in that app modernization space. So for them, it's a huge play because now they are getting all of these customers which are going to be asking for either customization or even if they are going to be doing development on top of ACL commerce, that's a big play for ACL. And that's why ACL was really interested in that. So these are the screens. And when you look at their demo store front, when we looked at the demo store front of SAP Hybris or any other players that are going to be comparable to this. Uh, this is, in my mind, one of the best overall in terms of the organization, the cleanliness of the architecture, the way they have approached, and the storefront is completely React-based. 
So again, that's a very good sign overall uh, in terms of the quality of development that HCL is really doing uh, on this product. Now, uh, in the demo, you will not be able to see all of those B2B features that we could see in SAP, in the case of SAP Hybris. So it does seem that this is probably designed for more of the B2C play for re retail centric shops. And they are going to have features that are going to be more geared towards uh, B2B businesses. Here, now, this is their API screenshot. So typically, if you look at the headless experience, it's going to have three different components. One is going to be your CMS, and that CMS is going to be sort of head in the headless world. Now, you can completely customize that head using the React technology. And if you don't want to use that head, then you are going to be talking to your API. So in the new world of headless, you are separating these two things. One is going to be your CMS, where your practitioners are going to be using. And then the second layer is going to be your API. So let's say if you want to swap out the head that these headless companies are providing, you can do that. The same functionality that you are able to mimic from your storefront, that is available through your APIs as well. Now, one caveat that I am going to provide here, when you are going to be looking at these APIs, one of the things that you are going to notice, especially when you are looking at these legacy platforms. So even though their claim is going to be that they have completely re-architected the product, the only thing they have done, to be honest, is going to be really creating the APIs, API layer around your, uh, your whatever functionality you had on your head. So you have separated that out in the form of your APIs. And then you created this sort of composable React-based application. And that's why these guys could do that in three years. That's why the development is faster. But overall, when you look at the data model, the data architecture, it's still going to be very legacy. I don't think they would have done any sort of change. So you are going to see some of those flavors inside the APIs. And one of the things that you are going to notice, especially when you are going to be looking at these legacy platforms, the way they design the APIs is going to be very different overall. Okay. So when you are going to be comparing this with platforms such as your HubSpot or Salesforce, they are going to have very restified APIs, meaning you are going to look at any of the business objects, whether you are looking at account, company, contact, deal, opportunity, leads, all of these are going to be business objects and you are going to have very simple uh, CRUD operation. You are going to have create, uh, update, delete. Uh, so it's very simple for developers to be able to follow along. But what these legacy vendors, and this trend is very visible in the ERP space as well, when they are going to have these legacy platforms. So what they do is they are uh, going to literally create the commands and shortcuts and a lot of different cryptic logic that is going to be part of your URL. So that becomes very, very, very hard to follow. Now, I don't know if it is because of the enterprise complexity of the platform that they have to take these shortcuts uh, and provide those commands, or there are some drivers uh, you know, that they are not really able to accommodate this in the REST-based uh, API calls. And that's why they have to sort of create these ad hoc arrangements to be able to accommodate all of those uh, scenarios. But overall, pay attention to how uh, APIs are created because that is actually going to increase the development time. That is going to increase the training time for your developers. Sometimes it might be harder to find answers on API. So that's the critical decision 
that you might be paying attention to when you are going to be looking at these. You might also want to compare this with, let's say, for example, HubSpot or Salesforce. Why are they not doing the same cryptic? If you compare this with other platforms, such as VTEX, uh, VTEX had very uh, you know, comparable headless architecture, but the way their APIs were structured, they were very restified. But these legacy platforms, they are going to have these underlying data limitations because they did not really re-architect uh, their data model or the backend layer. And that's why they have to take these shortcuts. So I'll uh, be highlighting some of those things uh, in this product. So here, when you look at number one you thing that you are going to notice is you have to import a lot of different environment variables. That's what they have shown in the demo on YouTube. And all of these environment variables, some of them are logical because what you are trying to do is you are trying to create a test suite, uh, you know, and test suite is going to be, okay, you have scenario number one, scenario number two, scenario number three. So typically the testing approach is going to be very manual. You hit this API, you get the result, and then some of the data you are going to utilize in the next test. So, uh, you know, in the traditional world, let's say if you were doing either your UI-based testing or you, if you were utilizing some sort of tool for your automated testing, you would do that. And that's why uh, they are utilizing a lot of different environment variables. But some of these environment variables are going to be required because of the underlying limitations of the technology, because the technology is still very legacy overall in the backend. The front end is modernized, backend is not. So these are some of the symptoms that you are going to see. You are going to have variables such as store ID. Now, typically, if you compare this with the rest world, then they, the dependencies are going to be captured as part of your request model as opposed to embedding that as part of your URL. Some developers may argue that, you know what, you can do it either ways, and there is no sort of strict guidelines in terms of how the rest is supposed to be done. But if you really think about the training time, the development time, uh, it's just easier for developers when they are going to be looking at restified model because that's what makes sense to them when they look at when they are going to be comparing this API with some other systems. So the restified guidelines matter a lot. So if you are going to be comparing this with some of the other companies, especially that are really modern with their database or with their uh, technology, they are going to be doing a lot of analysis first on a piece of paper, and they are going to be designing their canonical model the way their APIs are going to be designed. And you know every single API call that you are going to have, that is going to be based on uh, the, the current model so that you don't have to pass these variables. You don't have to take these shortcuts. Uh, you don't have to uh, you know incorporate all of these commands. But sometimes that may be required just because you need to expose a key piece of functionality that is not possible using your CRUD operation. That's why you probably would need that. But again, sometimes that could be because of the, the limitation of the technology as well. Just pay attention when you are looking at these things, you know, whether it is really required or is it because of the limitation uh, of the technology. So here, this is another command that they have. So here, what they are trying to do is they are trying to get the top uh, categories. So, you know, that's going to be a scenario that you need to sort of execute when you are executing from your web, uh, sometimes admin may require this or you might need to expose this to your user where you are getting just the top categories and then your users are probably clicking on those scenarios. So this is the same scenario. Now, technically this can be done uh, using just the category API where you need to pass this information 
inside your request typically that is going to be slightly more ratified model but in this particular case in my mind i don't like uh, the way this has done in my mind i think this is because their uh, underlying technology is limiting and that's why they have to do this if you are going to compare with this with the modern uh, platforms they are not going to have that limitation and again the implication of this is going to be uh, you know for your developers to understand the amount of training that they are going to require the amount of consulting help that that you are going to require um, to be able to uh, whether you are going to be configuring this for the first time or maintaining this over the period of time those are going to be some of the implications as a business for you now let's look at uh, the other screen so here uh the scenario that they are trying to explore is going to be the product view by category uh and here again you sort of you are making way too many layers here uh, overall from the api perspective if you look at this from the seo perspective even google recommends that you probably should have just three layers in your navigation and here uh, if you are exposing these apis over web and if you need to get any seo juice obviously that's going to be a challenge but for the most part i don't know whether these apis are going to be called just internally and you whether you need to care about that or not if you are exposing these apis externally to your uh, vendors and then you need to worry about the seo then you probably need to pay attention to that but for the most part this is going to be more of the training issue the product design issue the architecture issue and the legacy frills that they are still carrying with the product so pay attention to that now there are some very interesting features that we have seen so one of the things that you are going to see overall from the menu structure perspective uh this is going to be most of the workflows as i already pointed out that the similar customer journeys that you are going to have uh, on your head on your ui on web you can replicate the same journeys over your api and this is sort of the demonstration of those journeys uh, you can literally create uh, the create new customer create customer address register user logon so in the headless world anything that you were doing from your web you should be able to do that using api as well and that's the experience that we are looking for and obviously acl commerce can do that so technically obviously it's a headless platform some uh, people are going to argue that it's a very legacy platform it still uses the legacy legacy technology yes that is true uh, it is still using the legacy technologies in the back end as a developer uh, you if you are simply customizing the composable part and you are not really customizing the apis then you probably are going to be okay with the react framework but let's say if you need to do any sort of back end customization for these apis then you need to deal with java and you need to have that programming background um, to be able to do but overall i like this framework especially for the enterprise scenarios where some of the enterprises are not going to be fine in using javascript in the back end just because of the the cybersecurity fears uh you know because uh, even though javascript is very tight at this point of time but a lot of libraries that we have in the javascript world are going to be open source that's probably true with java as well but at least you are using the compiled code uh, with java so it's much harder to reverse engineer so just keep that in mind and that's probably the reason why a lot of enterprise it folks are going to be slightly more confident on java based backend than moving to javascript 
but enterprises are 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 uh, becoming comfortable with the javascript based frameworks in the back end one of the features that i have noticed uh, with this platform that is very unique that i could not find with any other platforms and that is going to be very useful overall when you are looking at the searchability so in this particular case number one what you can do is as a admin you can mock a search so when you are let's say want to display the products in a certain order to a specific customer persona that may not be possible with all of the platform so number one you can mock the search and then you can control the positioning of the product at a uh, at a specific position on your website for a specific customer person now that's a very 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 deep layer when you look at the conversion rate or the experience from the end user perspective and this is really going to drive your conversion rate so uh, i am a big fan of this feature where you can do the mock search as well as you know you are able to pin the product so that you know whatever changes you are doing in the back end with the product and here when you are going to be doing a lot of things from the api perspective and these apis can also publish the html code css code at times that's how powerful headless could be so sometimes controlling that product experience could be difficult so as a practitioner let's say if you want to hold a position of a specific product because that could be new arrival so this pin feature is just phenomenal uh, the other platforms when we looked at for example btx btx uh, had labels in their products so labels i could not see in this product whether they are able to do that label is very powerful as well but in my mind the positioning is going to be even more powerful because you are controlling the position of the product on your web interface so i personally like this feature a lot which is very specific to this product now this is how uh, their design is going to be which is very neat and clean it is very comparable to some of the other products that we have seen uh, and by the way i mean the way hcl has structured this is very e-commerce driven the way e-commerce practitioners like to think about the menu so if you look at the menu structure you are going to have analytics the search the content the catalogs the marketing these are the areas that most of the practitioners are going to care so this is a great way of organizing the menu um, most systems approach these things differently some are going to be approaching this more with respect to how your nav is going to be but i personally like this because this is really for the practitioners the admin you know portal that they are going to be using to be able to manage the pages to be able to manage the experience so for them this is going to be very intuitive experience when they are going to be looking at this now they have something called page composer and page composer is going to be very similar experience as whether you are going to be looking at very uh, baby product or the small products such as you know elementor in in wordpress or if you are looking at bigcommerce shopify they are probably going to have similar layout where you are going to get depth with this product is going to be how much you can control overall from the layout perspective number one you can build these layouts by yourself you can publish this for your practitioners across different sites and then the practitioners have a lot more control in terms of which pages they want to show it to which users on which date that's the kind of customizability that we are talking about in these platforms uh, but overall from the usability perspective the product is really neat and clean it has the page composer it has the layouts and the layouts are going to be affiliated with your pages so you can design your page page is going to have all of those seo variables and then you are going to be affiliating a layout with the page as well uh, by the way the layouts are going to have priority 
So let's say if you have multiple layouts and you want to set the priority and you want to set each of the priority based on dates. So there's a lot of different layers that I have personally not seen this kind of customizability anywhere else. Now, if you are going to be comparing this with uh, platforms such as API Server or Optimizely, they are controlling this experience outside of the platform. So you can swap out the button, you can swap out the color, you can swap out the, the element from uh, without changing or uh, sort of disrupting your publishing workflow. In this case, you are doing this inside the system itself. So it's going to be part of the same publishing workflow when you are going to be publishing the pages. You are telling, okay, I want this particular page, this particular layout to this particular customer on this date. And that's a powerful experience uh, overall from the e-commerce customer journey perspective. Now, these are the layouts. And sometimes one thing that you might want to notice when you are looking at these products is, you know, sometimes it might feel very natural when you are looking at the demo, but when you are going to be using it yourself, and especially when you are using any sort of enterprise products where the help is not going to be as available, so you might need to think about, okay, how hard it is going to be. And sometimes it might feel very natural when you are going to be looking at the demo because they might have set up uh, the data uh, you know, for their own usage. But when you are going to do that yourself, it might not be as natural. It may require a little bit of training time. So those are the things, uh, some of the things that you need to keep in mind when you are looking at any sort of enterprise product that there might be a little bit of training required, even though it might appear very simple overall from the layout perspective. Uh, but the the layout, if you look at the way this is structured, it's very natural, it's very fluid. Uh, if you are going to uh, compare this with the other platforms that we have in the market, the experience is very patchy. Even in the world of WordPress, uh, you, know, you are gonna have a theme, the theme is going to have header and footers, then it's gonna have navigation, then you are gonna have uh, layout in in middle and sometimes that's very hard to sort of control that experience okay which particular component is is controlling what so that's the flexibility that you're going to get everything is at one place and everything is getting published through one technology so you are not going to have version conflicts plugin conflicts that is the beauty of the enterprise platform such as ACL Commerce. Now we have some more features overall, uh, you know, from the layout perspective. And by the way, these layouts are created in React. So your development team, uh, they are going to publish all of these layouts where you are going to have uh, customizability of whatever you want to do as practitioners. So you have a lot of control. Your developers uh, have a lot of control as well. So it's sort of win-win for both of you. Uh, they are able to control these things from the performance perspective, from the customizability perspective. But at the same time, you are not losing the control. Again, these features might not be available in some of the SMB platforms, so you might want to pay. Uh, here, this particular feature, uh, especially when you talk about showing the layouts or the pages to specific customer segments or the groups, we have seen these layers in every single platform. Whether we talk about Hybris, whether we talk about Oracle Commerce, whether we talk about uh, your uh, uh, optimized API server ha had that. So you have the similar uh, features available in different platforms. Each platform is going to approach these things differently. The beauty of ACL Commerce, the way the layout is structured, it's very natural, it's very clean, and that's what I personally like about this product. Uh, the overall, if you look at the way the whole catalog product search uh, starts, uh, 
you know, it's very similar to your Microsoft experience or Adobe if you are going to buy any sort of products. So whichever products are going to be supported by ACL Commerce, they are all published through the same catalog. You have a very clean installation process, the way this is going to be installed. And then you have very clean IT interface as well, where you can control your Kubernetes, you know, you can control your IT infrastructure. So wonderful job, ACL, the way, uh, you know, they have created uh, these things overall from the IT perspective for the practitioner, uh, practitioner persona as well. Uh, again, in my mind, I think the experience is very similar to Oracle Commerce, SAP Hybris. They all have very similar capabilities, uh, you know, from the uh, headless perspective, the amount of control you are going to have uh, in the headless world, the differences are going to be really SAP had far deeper B2B features. Oracle was really strong in that advertising space. They had a lot more features from the media perspective. ACL is going to have a lot more features in that B2C space, especially when we looked at the, that searchability, the mock search, the way their layouts are done. It's really neat and clean in my mind. Okay, and this is the practitioner studio. Again, the experience is very similar to the way uh, you are going to have in WordPress. Uh, it's very, very similar experience. So that's what I like about this one. Even though you are not dealing with the clunky plugins, you are not dealing with PHP. Uh, it's all React-based. Uh, I am. Uh, I really like the way they have laid these things out overall from the headless perspective. So by the way, here, you are not building everything from scratch. Let's say if you simply want to customize the storefront that is provided by uh, your ACL commerce, there are going to be a bunch of themes that are going to be free. Some are going to be premium, but that's fairly common, whether you go with Shopify BigCommerce uh, or even if you're going to go for WordPress, uh, the experience is going to be very similar. Uh, the gem capabilities are going to be far deeper. The way uh, the gem capabilities are, personally, I... Uh, sort of like the dem capabilities of Oracle Commerce as well. But where I found uh, ACL Commerce to be slightly more ahead overall in the dem capabilities is that is going to be very API driven as well. Okay, so you can retrieve your entire dem and that is going to be your any of the asset locations. So you can control that experience using APIs as well. And that's where I feel ACL has a little edge in their headless capabilities than some of the other legacy platforms, for example, Oracle Commerce, Salesforce Commerce, uh, as well as your uh, SAP Hybris. Uh, this is the Content Composer and the way their Content Composer is done. And again, these are very deep capabilities that WebServe Commerce used to have in terms of the content repositories. So the DEM capabilities, if you look at the versioning capabilities that you are going to have for each piece of the content. And here we are talking about the version of every single video every single imagery and you have capabilities to roll back roll that back or publish to different sites so now that is the kind of control that we are talking about when we look at the depth of the dem capabilities personally i have not seen this deep dem with any other platforms i'm pretty sure some of the enterprise grade products are probably going to have similar capabilities as well but acl is just phenomenal uh, in their dem capabilities i am a big fan of the way the way they have done the dam here and these this is the retrieval process of dam so the way your website is going to be retrieving these components over web you can do the same thing using your website as well and you can literally publish the css as well as html code so you are looking at the amount of control that you are going to have 
through your APIs uh, for your DAM capabilities. So if you want to create that composable architecture, uh, ACL can do a wonderful job uh, there. Now, here are some of the comments overall when we look at uh, what the users are feeling. So this is our assessment and we typically bet that with what users are feeling and if they are going to be, if there are going to be any sort of trends that we are noticing whether it is going to be any sort of problems that the users have experienced in utilizing the product or uh, it is going to be uh, any sort of positive notes that they have experienced uh, in using the product. So here, number one thing that I like to personally vet is going to be, okay, what is the customer persona who is reporting the review? And that is going to be extremely critical uh, in understanding where they are coming from and whether their review is going to be fair for the product as well or not. So our assumption when we reviewed this product was that this is supposed to be enterprise product. So most of the reviews that you are going to see, uh, if they are going to be in the enterprise space, most of the enterprise users are probably going to be. Now, if you have a small to medium size business that may be using this product, they might not be as happy. And the reason for that is because the product is not really designed for you. So again, pay attention to who is really reviewing and what is their credential. If uh, an IT guy is going to be reviewing a product, they are going to have very different perspective than a marketer, than a CFO. So again, pay attention to who is the person who is reviewing and what they are liking in the in the product. So here, the review is coming from the enterprise company, which has more than 1,000 employees, which is a great fit in my mind uh, for this product. Here, this person is the senior technology architect. So we know that this review is coming from a technology person. So it may be slightly biased towards technology as opposed to the practitioner. So we are going to bet that uh, if the practitioners are, are really reporting the same as well or not. So here the user is reporting uh, re-architected ACL commerce is the best fit for all e-commerce customers. So he's being very specific. The WebSphere commerce was very legacy. So a lot of people, uh, when they are going to think about this product, they are going to feel, you know what? WebSphere commerce, really old, Java, legacy, reject, move on. But that's not true for ACL commerce, okay? They have done a marvelous job overall in re-architecting this product and users are really happy about it. So pay attention to that. So here he is being very specific. Re-architected ACL commerce is the best fit for all e-commerce customers. Now pay attention to the language. So he is saying all e-commerce customers, I'll be careful there. That is not true at all, okay? Because this is a very enterprise-centric product. It is going to have uh, you know heavy amount of training that your users are going to require, especially if they are not going to have as much experience in web development. Even your marketers, if they are not going to have as much experience, they are going to be struggling a lot. So make sure your team has used an enterprise product before or be ready for long training so that they feel comfortable in using the product. Otherwise, the, the marketers may never adopt the product. So what's the point of utilizing this platform? So I'll be really careful in positioning this product for the SMB. It is really designed for the enterprises. And if you uh, look at the trend of the reviews, most of the reviewers are really in the enterprise space. They are not in the SMBs. So here, I don't agree with this reviewer. Uh, he is saying, be it large, medium, or small scale customers. That's not true at all. Uh, small to medium sized businesses should go for Shopify, WooCommerce, uh, Magento. Uh, those are the platforms that might be slightly friendlier for you than using this one. This may be much heavier overall. Uh, here they are saying, unlike old legacy WebSphere commerce platform, again, he's being very specific uh, 
uh, in his assessment, its technology stack and architecture aligns with the current industry's trends uh, using microservices-based headless architecture for the core commerce engine and front-end using React. And I completely agree with this comment. And they have done marvelous job in creating the microservices architecture. And when they say microservices architecture, they are talking about retrieving of your DAM using your APIs, retrieving of your entire commerce workflow using APIs, and then using only React for your front end. And it doesn't need to be React. It could be any JavaScript-centric technology that is going to be slightly friendlier for the marketers than worrying about the technical details. And they have you have a lot more control in terms of what you can publish to your practitioners because you can build these React components as your IT in the background and publish to your practitioners so that they can uh, create that composable experience the way they want to uh, control so they don't have to talk to IT to be able to enable that experience. And that's what I like personally about this platform where practitioners have a lot of control. The IT also have a lot of control. So I, I, I really like this. Also, they are saying also the product upgrade lifecycle has been considerably reduced uh, and well-defined unlike the earlier versions, which is again, they have really uh, aligned their development model with the continuous development, continuous integration. And that's how they must have done uh, or they may have accomplished uh, the this life cycle, the one that user is talking about. Um, they, the user is saying another significant benefit of using ACL Commerce is the stat performance with the tool and minimal impact or zero downtime uh, during the Thanksgiving or holiday peak sales season, unlike other commerce packages. And again, when you are going to be that enterprise grade, when you are going to have humongous volume for your commerce, the performance is going to be a key for your SEO as well as for your customer. So make sure you are choosing the right platform, right platforms. So here, when we look at the ACL commerce, it's really designed for those enterprise workload. So make sure if you are enterprise, don't go for SMB solution because they are not really designed to handle your workload. If you are going to be over customizing, uh, over implementing, that's probably going to fire back and you are going to see implications in your architecture in the performance as well. So if you are enterprise, go for enterprise solution. If you're SMB, go for SMB. Uh, then what did he dislike about this one? I would call it a, an area for improvement instead of a dislike. And it's uh, the painful steps to upgrade from an older version. It would be great if there is a well-defined process and technical support to upgrade from an older version of ACL Commerce to the latest version. By the way, he is complaining about the upgrade process for this particular stack. If you are going to be upgrading from in the WordPress or PHP world, good luck with that because there you don't really have as much control uh, overall. Here, the only thing you are doing is you are probably dealing with version control. You are dealing with code. You are not dealing with these UI-centric component that are going to have very heavy dependency on the plugin developers uh, or they are going to have dependency on a specific vendor. So again, uh, when you are going to be using uh, your uh, programming-centric uh, backend system, they are meant to be easier. So I don't really agree with this comment. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be easier, uh, but he is feeling that he would like it to be easier than this, which is probably not possible. Uh, the upgrade and migration is always going to be a painful process. This is the easiest it can get. So make sure when you are thinking about that, you keep out or you plan for your migration path, how the migration is going to be done irrespective of the platform that you are going to choose. Um, then the user is saying most of the customers which we have interacted 
with have highlighted the considerable time for upgrade and painful steps. So this is one area to improve. Uh, and I completely agree. Any migration, when you are talking about database-centric application, there is a difference. When you are talking about only the UI-based application, which are going to be slightly more file-based, the migration is much easier. When you are talking about very tightly integrated data model in any enterprise application, doesn't matter whether you have uh, e-commerce or ERP, they are always going to be painful. So again, this is really designed for enterprise businesses, and that's why the migration process is slightly more painful. So number one, you need to plan for it. You need to appreciate and understand that you know this is probably going to be painful, and you don't have any way around that. So make sure you go easy on your people when they are going to be doing the migration, because if it fails, it can really fire back. Uh, so we have one more review that we can go over. And uh, here they are saying the interface is great, very user friendly and easy to show. Others integrates well with other applications. Uh, uh, here they are saying many people in the industries, they have recommended this product, uh, such as sales, fundraising, recruiting, anything else which is externally oriented, dealing with people. So I, I think there's a little stress there in terms of uh, who this person is trying to recommend. Uh, in my mind, this is a very B2C-centric solution, and it's going to be really great fit there. Um, then the results that they have experienced using this platform is going to be better outbound sales calls and results just because you have that centralized experience, I guess. Uh, but again, again, commerce alone cannot really solve all of your problems. So even though in their case, they have experienced better outbound sales calls. But again, that's going to be more of the CRM comment in my mind. Um, so don't uh, pay attention to that. And then they are saying better customer uh, interactions, better customer service overall. Yes, the commerce platform is going to help there. But overall, you are going to get the results when you are going to be using uh, something like CRM uh, for this. So I don't necessarily agree with that comment. On that note, that's it for today. If you join for the first time, uh, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern and we review one vendor or the solution. Uh, so make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to be reviewing another solution or the vendor. On that note, thank you so much for joining today. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. I cannot thank our guests enough for tuning to the podcast and sending the comments to the live session. I always pick up learnings from your comments and hopefully you learned something new today. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Robert Giovannini, who shares his insights into the e-commerce nuances for furniture manufacturers. Also, the interview with Jay Schneider, who shares his insights into how B2B digital commerce processes differ from B2B. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.